Ready? Okay. It's muted. It's muted? Okay. So tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Hello and welcome to our online Bible study. I'm Pastor Kevin Inman of Grace Point at Eagle Heights Church in Orange, Texas. I want to welcome you back to our Bible study time tonight. So thank you for tuning in. A lot of our regular members are watching, I know, and also some of you are our guests here watching online with us as well. So we're so glad that you're here tonight. Tonight we're talking about something very important. Every study of the scripture is important, obviously, but tonight we're going to speak about something. We're going to step back here a bit. Um, this is something we haven't covered in a while since uh, really our study of the book of Revelation as we went verse by verse through that study of the book of Revelation. But tonight we're talking about our enemy. Now, in the climate in which we're in today, and I'm not talking about the environmental climate, right? I'm talking about the political climate uh, never before in our nation, at least not in my lifetime, 50-some years here, never before has our nation seemingly been so divided as we are now. There is an unprecedented division. There is an intentional, I believe in many aspects, um, an intentional uh, push to divide our nation for varying reasons, right? Various reasons here. But in this political season here in the year 2020 in which we find ourselves in, it would be very easy for us to look at people with differing political views as our enemies. But what I hope that you will discover tonight, if you haven't already, and if you have discovered this, I pray that this would be something that would be helpful for us as we as we remind ourselves at least of our true enemy. So tonight we're talking about Satan. We're going to speak of our enemy. We're talking about knowing our enemy. We're talking about the doctrine of the devil, the doctrine of Satan, if you will. Now, this is not one of those your best life now kind of messages. This is not going to be a very uh, encouraging or edifying. It's going to seem like a, a negative type message. And, and none of those things are, are, are necessarily true. As we study the scripture, as we study to show ourselves approved, we study the full counsel of God's word. And so tonight we're going to talk about the counsel that the word gives us concerning the adversary, the devil, Satan, our enemy. He goes by a lot of titles. We'll talk about many of those tonight, but this is a very important study, and I pray it will be very fruitful for you in your walk as a Christian. But let's pray together, and then we'll come back here in just a moment and begin our study together. So let's pray tonight together. Father, thank you for this time that we have together in your word. It's not ideal because we're not face-to-face -face in person, and yet we have the technology, the capability, Lord, that you've blessed us with, this opportunity to meet together virtually in this manner, to study your word together. And I know that many of our church folks are meeting together in homes at this point, and so we're grateful for that as well. So thank you for those who have opened up their homes to others um, to allow them the time of fellowship and study together. So I pray that you would bless our time as we look at our enemy, Satan, our enemy, the devil tonight. May we understand what you have said about him, what you've said concerning him, what you've said is his origin, his nature, his characteristics, and ultimately his end. And so I pray that you would bless us tonight with wisdom. 
I pray that you would help us to apply these things that we learn tonight and next week as well. Help us to apply them as wisdom so that we can um, put them to practice in our lives as we warn others, as we plead with others. It's so important that we understand our enemy, and you have told us much, O oh God, about him. So may we be blessed tonight through this study and use this study for your glory and the good of those around us. We pray in Christ Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, amen. Again, this is a study of the doctrine of Satan. We're talking about knowing our enemy. Now, a lot of folks, and I have friends who believe this, and, and uh, many of them we've discussed this, and they've come to understand a little differently, uh, more along the lines of the way we understand at Grace Point at Eagle Heights, that we can't just focus on the happy passages all of the time. We can't just focus on the stuff that's good and that feels good, that, that uplifts us all the time. We have to study the full counsel of God's Word. And so that's why understanding this doctrine is going to be so important. This is part of the counsel of God. Amen. And so we want to know. Many of you in the church have had some questions. We talked this past Sunday about some varying questions about, about Satan, about uh, his being the serpent. Is that literal? Is that symbolic? We're going to talk about that um, tonight and next week as well, more in-depth next week. Tonight, I would like us to begin the study just looking at some, some basic ideas about what the Scriptures say about Satan. And so um, we're doing this because it's good to know our enemy. As Christians, we need to know the truth frontwards and backwards, but it's also helpful for us. And we're encouraged in God's Word even to study falsehoods, to know the lies, to know um, those doctrines of the demons as the scriptures um, describe so, so that we can understand where people are coming from and we can attack the arguments, the belief systems, right? Instead of attacking people, people are not our enemy. People are the victims to false ideologies and ultimately the, the teachings of Satan and the other demons. And so we want to um, understand who he is, what he's about, his nature, his personality, all of those things so that we can rightly defend against his false ideologies. And so let's talk tonight, beginning at least tonight, talking about knowing our enemy. And so the first thing we want to discuss tonight is the existence of Satan. Now that may seem like a no-brainer, but there are so many people today, even inside the so-called church, who deny the literal existence of Satan. They deny that he actually is real. And so we want to talk about um, him and see his existence. And so let's do that tonight. I just got here. Sorry about that. Let's talk about his existence. And so I want you to understand a couple of things here. In fact, if, if you have Matthew opened, and I would encourage you to do that, if you have your Bible rather, open up the book of Matthew. This isn't on your screen yet, but I want you to, to see in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus himself speaks about Satan. He doesn't speak of him as some cosmic ideology or some cosmic force. He talks about his existence because he encounters him. He's tempted by Satan in the wilderness for no less than 40 days. And so Jesus talks to him literally. And so we know that he exists through the scriptures. Okay, But let's look at his existence. He is, 
he is mentioned in seven books of the Old Testament. Now, there are 39 books in the Old Testament, so that may not seem like a lot, but there are seven specific books that deal with him in some detail. And so we see that in Genesis chapter 3, the book of Job, First Chronicles, we see it in Psalms, we see his mention in Isaiah chapter 14, uh, we see a lengthy passage and description in the book of Ezekiel, we're going to come back to that one um, tonight in Ezekiel, but then also in Zechariah chapter 3, we see that. You can see those on the screen here um, as well, so you can see um, these seven books of the Old Testament, but he's also mentioned in 19 books of the New Testament. Now, there are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament, and 19 of the 27 mention him directly. They mention him specifically. But the remaining books imply his existence through their teachings. So there is a teaching about Satan throughout every book of the New Testament, either specifically in 19 or by implication in the remaining books of the New Testament canon that we have. And so, again, seven books of the Old Testament, 19 specific books of the New Testament, and then Christ himself speaks of Satan no less than 25 different times. So no less than 25 times we see where Jesus himself is speaking of Satan, speaking to him as in Matthew 4 or speaking about him in the other books. And so the existence of Satan is something that the Bible, and and, and let me just address this idea as well because uh, you will come across this as you study this in more detail, but the Bible doesn't seek anywhere in the scriptures to prove the existence of Satan any more than the Bible seeks to prove the existence of God, all right? Now, we know that the Bible uh, assumes God throughout, from the very beginning. In the beginning, God. It doesn't say in the beginning and then make a case to prove God. It just assumes God and begins to tell the story of God's creative aspect, his creative power and, and those things. And we begin to learn about God throughout the pages of Scripture. But in the similar way, Satan is never proven in Scripture but assumed. Now, you may think that's a weakness of the Bible, but it's not. It's actually a strength. And when you begin to look into the details of how the Bible came together supernaturally, when you begin to look, um, if you study apologetics, given a defense of the faith, that's not making an apology, okay, for what you believe, but it's giving a ready defense. As you begin to look at these things, the very idea of the assumption of God and the assumption of Satan actually speaks to the trustworthiness of the Scriptures. The Bible's not set out to prove anything. The Bible is a revelation of God and of His truth and, and His will, His desire. Um, it tells us about Him, His character and nature, but it also details our plight and our desperate need for saving by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And along the way, it teaches us about the existence of Satan and the demons. And so we'll talk more about that as the study unfolds. But the existence of Satan is, is assumed, but it's detailed in seven books of Old 19 books of New Testament, and then Christ mentions Satan no less than 25 times. So, so that's where you kind of deal with the existence of Satan. Now, let's talk about the personality of Satan. And we speak about the personhood. When I, when I mention personality, I'm speaking of the personhood of Satan specifically. I'm not, I'm not speaking necessarily of him taking a personality test and we're finding out that he's melancholy or, 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 or any of these kind of things, right? We're, we're speaking of the fact that he has a personhood. 
Now, he's not a human uh, as we are persons, but he has a personhood. He is a being. Um, and, and we're going to see more about that as we look at his origin and, and those things in our study. But the fact that there is a, a personhood, he's not an ideal. Satan's not a force, but he is a being, an entity. And Jesus, as we said in Matthew chapter 4 specifically and elsewhere, but Jesus there um, encounters him and deals with him in a very personable way. Directly speaking, encountering the lies and the arguments of Satan. Jesus does that. But we prove and understand the personality of Satan in scriptures by looking at several things. And so one is this, the use of personal pronouns for him. Satan is never called an it, all right? He's never an idea, but he is a he has personhood. He's a being, an entity. And so we see the use of personal pronouns, like in Job chapter 1. Turn to the book of J-O-B. We understand it as Job in most circumstances, but here it's a proper name for Job. Now, what's interesting about the book of Job is, while you're turning there, what's interesting about this book is, this book is believed to be, by the majority of, of, of historians and scholars, right, theologians, the book of Job is actually most likely the oldest text that we have in all of Scripture, predating the writings of Moses even. Now, the writings of Moses deal with the creation and those things. So it deals with a subject matter that starts in our beginning, right? In the beginning of God's created uh, creating process. But the book of Job is was written in antiquity before even Moses, most likely. Now, we say most likely, likely excuse me, because none of us were there to say, aha, he did or he did not. But the, it seems, the evidence seems to point to, it seems to indicate that the book of Job is the oldest written text that we actually have. And you can study that uh, on your own, um, do a, a duck, duck, go or whatever search you, know, you want to do there, and you can, you can begin to study that. And, and let me just say, shameless plug here, um, the, the Bible software Logos, very good, or Logos, uh, Logos, very good uh, study software. They have a free version that you can get that gives you a, an entry foothold into that. I know a few of you, um, PJ, Eric, uh, Pete, several men in our church have uh, the Logos software, and they've invested in a little bit more. Um, I've been blessed, some of you, early on in the forming of our church, um, back um, before the merger, but when we were just Grace Point, before we were Grace Point and Eagle Heights together, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but years ago... I know uh, a few of you, it may have been Bobby and Regina and Pete and Pam, I, I'm not sure, I can't remember who all, I apologize for that, but this was a long time ago, and we're older now, uh, so the mind doesn't work as well, but, but, but years ago, you guys invested in me and my ministry um, by purchasing um, a package for me in Logos, and through the years, these last uh, probably, what, 11 years, I have invested, the church has invested, and, and just continue to build that library, it's good stuff, it's, it's, it's not cheap, um, but it's, it's, it's very good for deep study and research. But anyway, um, that's just, that's free. All right. Nobody gets paid anything for that. Just want to encourage you study your Bible, primary source, amen. Good commentaries, the MacArthur, uh, MacArthur Bible commentary. Uh, if you want a single commentary, there's several good ones. William MacDonald's Believer's Bible commentary. It's a good single concise commentary, but there are a number of others. I think there's a link on our website. You can get some recommendations. I would encourage you to do that or just 
reach out to me. I'd be glad to give you recommendations for specific books and those sorts of things in your study. But personal pronouns in the book of Job, oldest Old Testament book that we have most likely. Job chapter 1 verse 6, the scriptures say this. Now there was a day when the sons of God, and that sons of God phrase, theology, is Hebrew. It's benach Elohim. And that benach Elohim is always interpreted as angels. Now it could be uh, angels as a whole, it could be the, the heavenly angels, right? Or it could be the fallen angels, but Benach Elohim always is interpreted angels. It's not interpreted that the, 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 um, the daughters of men or the sons of, excuse me, the sons of Cain. It's never interpreted that. Not even in Genesis chapter 6 when we're talking about um, fallen angels having relations with human women. That's not an isolated uh, incident of of Abel's daughters um, cohabitating with with Cain's ungodly lineage. That's that's a false teaching, I believe. Um, it's it it's an injustice of the text. It's a distortion of the text. It assumes that all of Abel's offspring were were godly and all of Cain's offspring were ungodly. That is an assumption that is not warranted by any text of Scripture. The clearest understanding is that that Benach Elohim in Genesis six just like every other passage, including this one in Job, is a reference to angels. It's always a reference to angels. And so in Job 1.6, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Satan also came among them. Satan, even today, as we studied in our book, uh, study of Revelation, even today, Satan himself has access to God. He has access to heaven. He's not bound to hell. He hasn't been cast down permanently yet. That day will come. We'll talk about in our study here. But, but he has access. He comes and goes. He goes to, to, um, to present a case against us. And, and he's the accuser of the brethren. So he's still in that role today. But here in Job's day in antiquity, Job records for us, there was a day when the sons of God, when the angels came to present themselves before Yahweh before the Lord and Satan also came among them. So he is a being. He is he is he is not a force. He's not an idea. He's not just the expression of evil. He is an evil being. He is he is a someone, a somebody, uh, somebody, and 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 not again not the force. He is just not a force or an idea. But there's the use of those personal pronouns, and so we see that throughout Scripture. That's just one example. You'll see more as our study unfolds, and hopefully, as you study yourself, you'll get this, you know, and and it'll be concrete in your wheelhouse. All right. But secondly, we see the personal characteristics of of Satan. The personal characteristics. He he has a number of them. We'll just look at a few tonight. He has intellect. And we see that these characteristics are given to him. They're ascribed to him in Scripture um, as they as they describe him in Scripture. And again, listen, let me just let me just say this. We're not seeking to glorify Satan at all in this study. We're seeking to understand our enemy so that um, in our understanding, we can rightly defend against him, and that's important. We must know our enemy so that we can defend against our enemy and protect others. And so we see that he is described as having these characteristics of intellect. He has intellect, and so um, we see that in Revelation twelve nine, among other places. Revelation twelve nine says this. And the great dragon, this is speaking of Satan, the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. 
And so here is Satan, and he has angels with him. Let me just say this as well. We'll look more about this too, but just before we get into this too deeply, please understand that the Bible does not describe God and Satan as yin and yang, as the ultimate force of good and the ultimate force of evil. Satan is a created being. We'll see that here later, but I, I just I need to get that out of the bag now before we move on too far. He has intellect. He deceives the world. He is the conniver, the deceiver, um, the, the devil, Satan, the great dragon, the serpent of old. But he, all right, he is the one who deceives the whole world. In order to deceive, he has to have a mind about him. A will, we'll look at. He has this, this intent to deceive. That comes from an intellectual being. So secondly, we see that he has emotions. We see in Scripture that Satan hates Christ he hates Israel. He hates people in the church who follow Christ as well. Number of passages that would speak to this. But here's one, Revelation 12, verse 17. You're already there in verse 9. So look at verse 17. You'll see that the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children. Now here, the woman, if you understand, this is not Mary, as Roman Catholicism uh, improperly interprets. This woman, in context, is speaking to Israel, or speaking of Israel, excuse me. It's speaking of the nation of Israel, she, Israel. And we know that from, from the imagery that's used there and in Genesis to describe the offspring of Israel as it begins mentioning the, the different tribes of Israel. And we see that in Genesis uh, chapter, oh, my, 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 my mind's blank here, but, but I believe around chapter 38, 30, 35, somewhere in there where it speaks of the different tribes with Joseph and Levi and Judah and these different tribes as they come down. They make up um, in, in, maybe it's chapter 32, but in Joseph's dream, when he has the dream, uh, one of his dreams that got him in trouble, as he begins to describe how the other stars were bowing down to him, this is a reference to the she, Israel, and, and his father, obviously father Israel there, but, but Israel as a nation begins to be described from that point forward as this woman and, and her offspring. But, but you can look at that to get more history about that part. But just know that the dragon was enraged with the woman, that's Israel, and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So here, the the, the offspring there. And so you can go back and listen to that study of, of Revelation chapter 12 in our, in our uh, the unveiling study of the book of Revelation study. You can find those Bible studies online. They should be on the sermon tab. Just type in the search bar Revelation and you'll find those um, messages. But he has an intellect. He has emotions. That's why the rage is there. But also we see that Satan has a will. He has his, his own will. And so he is not sovereign and completely independent as God is. Only the, the, God, the, only, only the Lord God has a true free will, as we like to talk about a lot. But Satan's will is bound to his nature. It's part of his nature. And so just like uh, we humans, our will is either bound to sin or it's bound to Christ. And so um, it's not ever totally free, although we're responsible beings and we do make choices those choices stem from our our will, either either of God or of our flesh. Okay, and so so again, that's a whole nother study in and of itself. But but he has an intellect, he has emotions, he has a will. So look at Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty six. Give you just a moment. Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty six says this: 
and they may come to their senses and escape. So they're wanting these folks, Paul's writing to Timothy, to come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So Satan, not only does he tempt people, we'll look more about his strategies later, but he tempts us, he seeks to deceive us, all of those things he wants to destroy. John 10.10 says the thief comes, that's Satan, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant, abundant life, real life, amen? But he has this will, and part of his will is to capture us, to hold us captive, to do his bidding, to do his will. So he wants to battle against God. He wants to defeat the Lord God. And in in that desire to defeat him, he is trying to, to stop as many people from coming to understanding of who Jesus is and being saved. He's trying to seek uh, to thwart them. That's his will, his desire. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, we read this about the full armor of God and about the spiritual battle that we are engaged in with heavenly forces, right, and, and demonic forces. That spiritual battle in between light and darkness, between God's holy angels and Satan and the other fallen angels. Put on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6, 11 says, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil in his intellect, in his emotional outrage against God and against everything that's holy. His will is against God. And if his will is against God, oh Christian, his will is against you. His will is against you. And so we'll talk more about engaging him, but, but just know that that's, that's part of his personality. Again, that's not in full detail. We'll pick up more cues about and clues about his personality later tonight and and next week again. But let's look at his nature now. Let's look at his nature. These areas kind of bleed over, but you want to. I want to help you get a, a better understanding of the nature. And yes, part of his character comes out here too. But in order for us to do this, and and even before we really look at his history and his origin, which um, as we'll see how time goes here, we may have to wait until next week to look at that so that we don't rush through it. But as we talk about the nature of Satan, I want you to understand that the scriptures use a number of different titles and names to describe him. And in describing him by these various names, which we'll look at here in a moment, in describing him, it, these different passages give us gives us clues about his character and his nature. We, we saw some of, of his personality there, some uh, evidence for him. But these other passages that we'll begin to hit on tonight, they will describe more about his nature as, as these names are given. So let's look at a few of these names. And there are a number of them that will be put on the screen here at a time. I think there's about 11 that we'll talk about um, these next couple of studies. The first one is the name Satan. In Hebrew, the, the name Satan, um, the, the name Satan means adversary or resistor, the one who is in opposition to, the opposer. And he's, he's literally the opposer of God. And so this is uh, a description of him, but it's also used as a proper name for the devil, for the adversary, Satan, the adversary. It's used uh, roughly 52 times. There's one for every week of the year, right? Uh, one use of it. And so uh, 52 times, maybe a little more, but at least 52 times. And I say maybe a, f a few other places. The, the reason I say that with a little bit of uncertainty and hesitancy tonight is because this word is used to speak of just a generic, um, in a generic sense, speaking of an, uh, someone who's in opposition uh, and primarily, those other uses are, are also speaking of someone being in opposition to God. But there are 
definitely 52 places where it's used specifically of Satan, of the devil, of the adversary, okay? And so, so just note there, there, there are other usages of this, but, but it means adversary or resistor. And so that's, that's a, a prolifically used word. It's used uh, uh, um, a number of times, again, 52 at least. Also, he's described as the evil one. So we get some more details about his nature here. He's, he's the adversary, he's the resistor of God in opposition to God, but he's the evil one. He's the one who is responsible for evil. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We see that we know we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So God in his sovereignty has given limited rule and domain, limited dominion to Satan, to the devil, to the, the, the evil one. Now, everything ultimately falls under God's sovereign rule. Amen? There's no one who is his co-equal. There's no one who's over him. He is the sovereign one. and He rules and reigns supremely. But in his sovereignty, in his omniscience, in his plan, in his timing, when man fell into sin, being deceived, remember Eve was deceived by the serpent, that devil of old, we'll talk more about. When she was deceived, Adam, who was with her, willfully chose to eat of the forbidden fruit. He entered into sin. Adam is the one that's given the blame for fall, not Eve. She was deceived. But Adam, who was supposed to be protecting her, right, overseeing her, he succumbs. He chooses to give in to sin. And when sin entered the human race, by one man, Adam's sin came into the world. We know that by one man, the God-man, Christ, the second Adam, that salvation comes. But when Adam sinned, sin entered into the race of humanity because we all descend from Adam. Amen? Adam and Eve are our spiritual great, 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 and so on grandparents. We all trace back through Noah and his sons and their daughters, or excuse me, their wives. We trace back through Noah and Mrs. Noah, their offspring, all the way back to Adam and to Eve. There's one race of humanity. There are not um, um, Negroid races, Caucasoid races, uh, Angloid races, what, uh, um, uh, Mongoloid? Yeah, I think I, I, think I got the, the major groups. They're not different races, okay? There's one race of humanity. We all go back through Noah to Adam and Eve. We're one human race. We are, we are all the, 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 the human race. We are all one. So don't let the lies of evolution, lies of Satan, the deceiver, the evil one, don't let those things fool you and lead you astray. But he's the evil one. And so, so he has, um, has the power over the world right now. He's responsible for evil. God giving him a leash. But please, please be encouraged to know that, that though he is the devil and though he, has, he is Satan, he is the evil one, though he has power, his power is limited by God. Just know that. Just know that he is he is still the 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 he is still the he is still God's devil. The devil still belongs to God ultimately because he was a created being. Now, does that make God responsible for evil? That's a very important question, and that's one we're going to wrestle with after these introductory thoughts. We need to get this basis, this foundation, and we'll be able to better understand the 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 deeper truths about evil and the nature more 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 details about the nature of Satan going forward here. So just know, Satan, 
He's the evil one. He's also the devil. The, the, the name devil literally would, would translate the idea of the slanderer. He is, he is the one who slanders. And that's used at least 35 times in the scriptures. We see that in the New Testament 35 times. For instance, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. When you turn there, 1 Peter 5, 8, the root there for this word that's translated devil, the, the Greek root would, would give the ideal of um, gossip, the gossiper, all right, a gossiper. And so slanderer, gossip, that's, that's the devil's nature. That's his character. And so we see in 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Again, John 10, 10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not someone to be trifled with, right? We'll talk more about that as we look at how we engage Satan later. But he's not, he's not someone to trifle with. Just note that. He is, he is a powerful being, the devil. He is our adversary. And he prowls about like a roaring lion, wanting to devour. And so just note that, devil. So Satan, the evil one, the devil, the serpent, he is. And this is what really got us down this path of study. Some of you had questions concerning that. Is, was it a literal serpent or is this figurative? We're going to come back to. I'm not putting you off, but again, we need the basic understanding. And so the serpent refers to his subtlety, at least, and to his craftiness. There's also a real sense that there is a real serpent. We'll talk more about. But in Genesis um, chapter 3, we see that. But Revelation 12, 9 comes back to this idea. So at the very beginning, we see the serpent. In the very end, we see the serpent again. Beginning of the Bible, the end of the Bible. The great dragon was thrown. This is Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Those who follow him. We looked at this earlier, but but Satan, that serpent of old, the dragon, and that's another title. It shows more about his nature, but serpent, dragon. Well, again, we'll come back to that one. He's also known as the tempter, the tempter. And obviously that speaks of the fact that he tempts, okay, um, those he tempts. He tried to tempt God. Um, he tries to tempt humanity to bring us to sin. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, meaning Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. He was trying to tempt the Lord God. And Jesus responds to him. He answers him with Scripture. That should always be our go-to, the sword of the Spirit, answering, and the Word of God, answering the devil on the same terms that Jesus answered him. We are not commanded to cast him out. We're not commanded to bind him. In fact, that's ludicrous. It's nonsense um, because only the Lord God will bind Satan. And that will only happen when Jesus is done using his, um, his evilness, wickedness for the ultimate plan of God, for the unfolding. Satan will not be bound until the end times. And we'll talk more specifically about that a little bit later. <clears throat> Excuse me, so Satan, the evil one, the devil, the serpent, the tempter. He's the prince of this world in John chapter 12, verse 31. The prince of this world. He is the God of this age in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Turn there. This is one we'll look at. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. As the God of this age, the scriptures say, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's being veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, this is speaking of Satan. 
He is the one who, who seeks to blind folks from the truth of who Jesus is so that they will not be saved. So the prince of this world, the God of this age, the deceiver of the whole world, Revelation 12, 9, we looked at it earlier. He's the angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14 says this, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an agent of light. He's, again, he's seeking to disguise himself so that he can deceive. That's his nature. That's his characteristic. That's who he is. And so he's the deceiver of the whole world. He's an angel of light. He doesn't appear to us as the great dragon. In Scripture, he, he, you see him coming as this angel of light. He wants to be deceptive. He's, he's wily. He's cunning. He wants to come looking good. And, and, and he's not going to come with a sign that says, uh, Hey, I'm the devil. Be warned. I mean, he's coming deceptively under the guise of light. And we, we see that so prevalently to today in um, the world. We see that good is being called evil and evil is being called good. Things are twisted. Satan has used his wiles and his scheming, his um, personality, his, his will, his intellect, all of these things to deceive us and to, to pull the wool over our eyes to think that, that his darkness is actually good. He's the angel of light. He's deceptive. So the deceiver of the whole world, the angel of light, he's the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12, verse 10. Revelation 12, 10. Night and day, he's accusing the brethren, the godly, against God. That's why Jesus is our mediator, the one and only mediator. There's no pope. There's no one else that needs to stand before you and God, right? We and Christ are represented, or, or excuse me, are represented by Christ Himself. He represents us to His Father. He is our advocate, and He advocates for us against the accuser, Satan. And then finally, um, the last thing we'll just mention here is that He is the head of the house of evil. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 13. We see that in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 13. The head of the house of evil. So, so all of these things so far, His existence mentioned in um, 26 books specifically of the scripture and then the rest of the new testament at least he's he's intimated there he's he's implied there and uh, indirectly and so christ mentioned him 25 times um, even speaking specifically to him as we looked at in matthew chapter 4 we saw his personality okay we saw his nature in a number of places and there is, there is the question of his origin, and this is something um, that I think we'll get into next time. We'll go ahead and wait. Uh, we'll end a little bit short here tonight, uh, just about 40 minutes or so, as opposed to the 60-plus minutes oftentimes we go. But this looking at the origin, there are going to be a number of questions, and there, there are, are answers that I would like to deal with at a more length. Uh, lengthy way than, than just trying to rush through this tonight with our remaining time. So, so again, is Satan real? Absolutely. Does the Bible seek to prove his existence? No. The Bible assumes his existence, mentioning him in a number of books, Old and New, right? Old and New Testament. But then we see something of his personality and his nature, his personality and his nature. If I could just end with one detail about his history, and this will be his future history, and I call it a future history because the Bible has written about it. The Bible has proven itself to be um, uh, 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 
verified in its history of antiquity, uh, the present times, identifying what's happening today, but even predicting the future. So we're calling this future history. This is, this is the outcome, the end of Satan. And so let me just close by saying this. Satan will be defeated by God. Jesus will defeat Satan. And if you look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, we know that in the end, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see, Satan is not omnipotent. He's not sovereign. He is not God's equal. He's not even close. He is a created being. We'll talk more about that next week when we look at his origin and some more of those details. But his end is going to come. He is not, as so many people believe, he is not ruling hell. He is not there fanning the flames and stoking the fires, uh, torturing others. He himself will be bound to hell, and he will be under the torment of the lake of fire and brimstone forever and forever and ever. Amen. He is not ruling and reigning there. He will be bound there one day in the future. God himself will do the binding. He will be the one that holds him, binds him forever, and torments him day and night forever and ever and ever. Amen. So, Christian, know that, yes, we study something that's, that's unpleasant today, right? We study something that's not real appealing to everyone, but it's important to know our enemy and ultimately to know that he is a defeated foe. Jesus himself has already spoken of his end and in God's perfect plan, perfect will, and his perfect timing. And in just the right way, God will put an end to Satan. God will do that. You can trust that God will do that. Amen? Well, let's pray together and we'll close our time tonight. But note, we've just started. So next time we'll come back together and we'll look at the origin and the history of Satan. So let's pray. Father, thank you again for our time tonight. I thank you for those who are watching and listening online even tonight. I thank you for those home groups that are meeting. I pray that you would just bless their study as they discuss these truths now, as they dig into these scriptures in a little more uh, detail over the next few minutes or so, Lord God. I pray that you would just bless that time of study. And Lord, bless all the believers who are engaged in this, this study so that, oh God, that they would know their enemy they would know you, O oh God, ultimately as the victor, right? As the one true sovereign Lord of all creation. King of kings, Lord of lords, you reign sovereignly, supremely. Ultimately, you will put an end to Satan, the other fallen angels, and everyone who would choose to believe his lies over the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, may they be encouraged tonight. May we be encouraged tonight to continue to seek the truth, keep seeking you, O God, to study and show ourselves approved as a, as a workman rightly dividing this word of truth. Bless our, our, our studies going forward, O God, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.